0: today I'm Emma Walsh I'm the CEO of parents at work and I'll be your host for today's special event discussion how to build a successful working parents program along with our expert panel from Deloitte and people care thank you everyone for joining us today if it's the first time you've actually joined parents at work for a special event welcome we actually have over 60 HR and diversity leaders joining us today from all around Australia Every month, Parents of Work is proud to actually sponsor these free special events to connect you with experts in the global community. And it's all about assisting employers and working parents, and really our aim is to create family-friendly workplaces of the future. And we're really thinking about doing this through improving the education and support offered to parents and their leaders in organisations. So please share our events with people in your community if you do find them helpful. We're actually also recording this session for you, so if you can't be here for the entire session, that's fine. We'll make sure you get a recording. So I'm delighted to introduce our panel today. Catherine McNair, National Head of Diversity at Deloitte, and Marie Morgan Monk, Head of People and Culture at People Care. Both organisations have introduced initiatives to help their parents navigate parental leave and beyond, and they're going to share some of their insights today. So thank you very much both for your time today, I really appreciate you being here. Now before we begin, some housekeeping. Um, We obviously welcome you to join in the discussion, I think it's great if we can make this interactive. So those of you that are familiar with webinars, you'll know that on the the right-hand side there's a panel where there's a question box. You can type those questions in anytime you like throughout the session and we'll do our best to answer them as we go. And if we've got time at the end to to answer those questions for you as well. So um, we really encourage you to to get involved in that way. We've got you all on mute um, for a reason. Otherwise, we've got it all off mute. It gets um, loud and staticky. So um, if you can just use the question panel, we'd appreciate that. Okay. So what are we actually discussing today? So really, it's all about working parent programs. And really, what are they? And how do... Do we in fact build a successful program for our organization, how might they be beneficial? So we will go through talking about what is a a parental leave program specifically. I'd like to explore with our panelists around the roles of CEOs and diversity professionals and other people, leaders and organizations that generally are responsible for these kind of programs And, and obviously that's why we've tailored this for this particular audience. The aim is to help you think about where do you start if you don't have anything uh, in place in your organisation? What steps might you take to um, create one? Um, What kind of resources and challenges you might expect? And obviously to give you, as we share all of that, working examples from from these two organisations. So now to begin the discussion I thought it would be useful to start with a state of the nation update. On latest statistics and research on just how does Australia support its parents, and how does it stack up against what's happening in the rest of the world, and really what's the impact of this? And then we'll cross to Catherine and Marie on how their organisations have actually responded to it. So some really sobering statistics over the next couple of slides. Australia ranks the second lowest in the world after the US in terms of its paid parental leave. Um, We obviously celebrated enormously when that came in in 2010 but when we benchmark it against what's happening in the rest of the world it's still um, down at the bottom ranks rather than the top ranks and this also links with Australia's work-life balance statistic being 29th in the world we know the gender pay gap in Australia continues to lag the rest of the world as well and the employment rate of women that you may not have realized aged age between 25 and 55 was the lowest um, of the OECD countries at 72.5% and it sounded the recent OECD report on this. And also interesting statistics around Australia's employment rate of single mothers was actually again amongst the lowest in the developed world. Now what does this mean for employers? Well, the latest for statistics have us at 54.9 per cent of reporting organisations do provide um, paid parental leave to their employees and obviously on top of the statutory. There is 11 weeks um, on average paid employer contribution and an average eight days employer paid secondary carers leave. Now, what about the dads? What's happening there? Now, 38.1% of organisations provide a paid parental, a paid paternity leave, I mean, and an average of 1.6 weeks. But actually, only one in 50 Australian men take parental leave, according to the OECD. And I know on organisations we're talking to, there's a really big effort on to get men um, more engaged in the parental leave process and how we might do that. So we might explore that discussion as we go. But Australia's results compares with 40% of more men taking parental leave in some of the Nordic countries. Now, I guess this is where we'll begin this discussion. What's wrong with these statistics? And, you know, what really is the impact of them? And I'll be very interested to hear, as we go forward, um, Catherine and and um, Marie's response to some of these. But certainly in the work that we're doing with organisations, some of the shout-outs that we're getting is really that you know, we've got increased stress, um, that we know that the work-life balance squeeze that's happening in organization, there's more conversation going on about it. Um, it's certainly recognised that, that year on year, that's a challenge that organisations are being um, forced to meet and confront and do things about. And obviously, the recent change in the last five years in particular around creating more flexible workplaces has been a, a result of a lot of that. There's an obvious challenge, as we said, to support women p- progress their career after Kids, We do know that uh, if we want more women moving through to leadership positions, it's likely that they'll have a family and how we're going to help them do that. We know the cost of our economy and community um, is billions. In fact, there was a recent survey done last year that suggested it's up to $24 billion a year the economy loses by not having more women participating in the workplace. But also, in fact, the work-life balance stress that's caused. so I think that's really interesting um, statistics. So we'll focus on a little bit more around as we go pulling out these statistics and what this might mean. So, so let's now hear from some of our panellists as we move forward and, and I'll start with some of the first, um, the first question, which really gets to the heart of it. You know, what actually are you doing um, in your organisation to support working parents? Because I think if we can begin with what you're doing, we can then go back to, well, how did you come to that conclusion and what steps did you... Take. So um, I'll start with you Catherine, mm-hmm. if you could explain to us what does Deloitte do, what are the parental leave support or working program support initiatives that your
1: organisation has? Sure. Thank you Emma and, and hi to everyone on the, uh, the webinar today. Um, so at Deloitte we have a, a range of initiatives available to all working parents at Deloitte, so when we refer to working parents we're, we're talking about men and women. Um, so. I the policy provides 16 weeks paid parental leave for all employees, um, and an additional four weeks for all managers. Um, there's also the ability to be able to take that leave flexibly. So what we're seeing, particularly with men wanting to access that policy, is that they um, may own. And want to take paid parental leave two days a week. Mm. So that's that's proving something that um, is not only being sought and has been something that we've actually modified the policy in response to that request. But it is actually encouraging more men to access the policy, which is a real positive. Uh, uh, We also provide reconnect, what we call reconnect coaching, which is basically external coaching provided by parents at work. Um, That has been highly successful. We've had. that in place following a pilot in 2013, and um, what we have found is not only having that external um, contact uh, to discuss all sorts of issues around preparing for the return, uh, it has provided that framework for people to have the confidence to return. Um, you know, not to feel they have to sneak in and. Um, you know, try and, and muddy their way through, but to actually have um, a solid framework and that support behind them as they consider returning. Work agility, so um, flexible working is something that um, is very much leader-led in the organisation, and a slight shift for us in more recent times is, you know, we often hear that a lot of organisations have flexible policies in place, but people don't access it, or feel they don't see the role models, so they don't access it. Uh, what we've done is switch that around to make sure that it is a leader-led conversation, so that we are actually asking people, what is the flexibility you need, um, and how can we support you with that. Uh, A big focus on wellness. So all of these initiatives really tie into each other, but our CEO, Cindy Hook, has a strong focus on wellness being um, cut into four quadrants, spiritual, emotional, um, physical, and mental. And all of the work agility initiatives, flexible working, um, providing access to leave, mainstreaming, um, men taking paid parental leave, all really tie into that initiative and there's a campaign at the moment around purpose and what drives people and people have shared all sorts of stories. Many of them are um, around parenting responsibilities or caring Mm. for elder care. Mm. Uh, We also have a range of um, what I would probably call concierge types initiatives where people can access um, domestic help, gardeners, cleaners, babysitters and also um, services to support identifying um, childcare. So in terms of the the holistic view, they're probably the key things I would call out as the support we have in place for working parents. Okay, thanks Catherine. And Marie,
0: over to you. What's PeopleCare doing?
2: Uh, Good morning everyone. So PeopleCare is a small, uh, non-for-profit private health insurance uh, organisation. We have approximately 150 staff and we're based in Wollongong, in a regional area, um, I always say that our organisation is a very fertile organisation, and uh, mm-hmm. it's very common that we have ten to fifteen percent of our workforce either on parental leave or preparing for parental leave. Um, so it's it's really quite a big issue for our small organisation, but we're really proud to say that over the last oh eight. Years since we've introduced um, our parental leave uh, support initiatives, we've had 100% return to work um, in some capacity from our people carers, is what we call our employees, our people carers. So we're not in a situation where we are able to provide um, paid parental leave, so um, our um, employees that do go on parental leave have to access the government initiative scheme. But what we do provide is a return to work incentive. So when somebody is returning to work from a parental uh, from parental leave, they receive a six week or eight week, depending on their length of service, um, incentive financial incentive uh, for full time work um, from whatever capacity they return in. And we think that's, you know, quite a a beneficial incentive, particularly when they start to access things like childcare and to, you know, the reality of the costs of childcare kick in, that this is something that perhaps helps them with that process. Uh, We also offer a number of flexible work uh, arrangements and initiatives that enables them to return to work in a capacity that suits uh, their childcare requirements and their... um, their desire to be, um, you know, a, a, a primary carer or a, a, a big part of the the, the child care arrangement, um, and also be able to to work. And then we also um, provide all throughout their period of uh, of parental leave that constant contact of what's happening within the workplace. We keep them updated with newsletters that we uh, send out them through their personal emails about what's happening and who's come and who's gone we have uh, staff information sessions three times a year and if they're on um, parental leave of course they're welcome to come in and we provide um, a, a babysitting or a care service in the room adjacent so if they don't have care and can want to bring their children in they can come in for our staff information sessions and they've got somebody there to care for their child so you know we you know we don't have an overarching uh, budget or we don't have the you know capacity or a whole range of things but I think some of the everyday the uh, philosophy that our board and our CEO have for our uh, working parents um, is, is really what's driving the 100% return to work base that we've received over the last eight years.
0: Mm. That, that's fantastic and I, you know, there's obviously a question on the screen and I, I'm interested because I know you'll each have your, your reasons for doing what you're doing in your organisation and thank you for sharing, Marie, in particular, you know, the constraints I guess that your organisation perhaps has and it's had to get creative and inventive around what it does. But what has really prompted you to act as an organisation? Why, why has this become something important that you invest in? Marie, why don't you go first?
2: Okay. Um, for us, we see it as part of our life cycle. You know, We have quite a low staff turnover rate and we're quite a family-oriented organisation. So many of our people carers have been with us for 5, 10, 15. We've just had someone that celebrated their 35th year with us. So it's really a life cycle that people go through. There are going to be times within their working life that they're able to work full time and they're able to, you know, take on uh, extra responsibilities because their their life. Enables them to do that, but that there's other times in their life where they're perhaps not able to do that because they're caring for young children. But then these young children grow, and you know, like in in my particular case, um, I work part time, even as a as an an part of the executive team. Um, I have three teenage sons, but you know, five years ago they weren't teenage sons; they were in primary school. They needed a lot more involvement from me. So I was able to provide that. Now that they're a bit older, they're teenagers and really don't want to ha- have anything to do with mum, uh, they don't need me as much. So for us, what prompts Us to Act is her understanding that if you're going to want to retain your workforce for a, a period of time, as they grow and experience things within their life cycle, we support that. And by them doing that, there are going to be times where they can be there more and there's going to be times that they're going to, you know, need to be there less. But their contribution is still highly valued and the cost that's associated with bringing new people into organisations, which we all know, recruitment costs, productivity costs, mm-hmm. costs, if we're able to retain that um, and support the life cycle that our um, people carers go through, then that's a totally a bonus and it's a real no-brainer for
0: us okay great and catherine for you what was i know cindy has a vision around this being really important but this Mm. was also in before cindy Mm. was even in the ceo role so what has what really prompted deloitte Mm. to act and take you know take a leadership role in this space
1: yeah thanks emma um yeah so cindy has been the the ceo of deloitte australia since 2015 and prior to that gain swigas Uh, So Deloitte's had a gender strategy in place since 2000. So Mm. part of that journey, and I'm sure many others on the call have the same challenge, is that, you know, you have a number of initiatives in place. Your end goal is to increase representation of women in leadership. Mm. And it's really trying to understand why aren't we shifting the needle. Mm. So one of the things we really focused on, as I said, back in 2014 was the retention of women and in particular having a look at our return to work rates not only at that initial mark but the the 12-month, the 24-month period Mm. following Mm. to see that we actually weren't retaining women after they returned and the initial focus of this initiative was purely women. So um, really it was a case of sitting down with some of those groups and Emma, you were involved in some of Mm. those conversations Mm. to understand if we were to support people... Um, really, where was it that we were falling down? Where could we provide that support that was um, contributing to that return or that retention piece is not being as successful as we would like it to be? Um, so what we identified was, it was, you know, if you break the pay, if you break the parental leave piece into into four areas, so the preparing to go on leave, the on leave, the keeping in touch and the return. It was the return that we kept hearing time and time again we could do a better job of supporting people with. And so that was when we then reached out to Emma and started having a conversation around you know, what would the return to work coach Look like, and it was really something that we um, wanted to pilot with a a senior group of women, which we then did. But it was providing that support around the eight week mark prior to the return to that time when you, you know, and not everyone is the same, it is all completely an individual experience, but you know, some have um, concerns about leaving their child, Um, some are more concerned about their career. It was very much about um, helping people have the conversations that they needed to have, Mm. think through the logistics of what the return may be to actually set them up for success from day one, not the return and then four weeks later wondering why things aren't going Mm. particularly well. Mm. So that was really the catalyst for us was very much still with that representation of women in leadership goal in mind, but really starting to have a look at, you know, what were some of the, and there were many others, but that was one key piece that where we knew, that, um, we knew that we could focus on and have an immediate impact. Okay, thank you. Um, I guess
0: the next question I've got is you know, it's dovetailing beautifully in that, you know, why is supporting parents, both men, women and men, important to your business? Because we've started this conversation on women, but we've certainly moved it to, to men as well and the importance of that. We've got a question around that. Thank you for the question. We'll come back to that in just a minute. But let's just talk here about the philosophy around, you know, the supporting men and women. So, Catherine, if I stay with you for a moment, continuing mm. that journey, how has this become a male conversation now?
1: Yeah. So, you know, like many organisations, what we're trying to do is remove any obstacles mm. um, or, you know, what might be viewed as career barriers for for women progressing in their career. And we know we've heard, seen it in the media, and with all the stats you had at the front end, Emma is around how do we actually mainstream flexibility? How do we not make taking mm. a career break or working flexibility mm. um, viewed as a career killer? How do we mm. actually create it as a career enabler, that it's just part of the culture, that if we um, live and breathe diversity and inclusion mm. and we talk about having a diverse workforce, fundamentally that is not going to be everybody working five days a week. Mm. Mm. So, you know, we to be inclusive we knew that, uh, and creating an inclusive culture is not just flexibility for people who have carers' responsibilities, but really a whole myriad of, of um, reasons that people mm-hmm. have um, choices in their life where they can gain a greater level of flexibility. And, and we know that for um, creating an inclusive culture for us fundamentally was all about, particularly in the, the client service industry. Um, one of the, the points of feedback is around people not having control over their time. So this work agility definitely plays into the parenting arena. It plays into elder care. Mm-hmm. But it's also about having a conversation about what's important to me and where I want to spend my time mm-hmm. and how I can do that in my role but also maintaining what's important to me. So work agility for us in the culture of inclusion plays a much broader role but, of course, parenting is a significant part of The fact of the matter is if we want um, people to see that work agility is something that you can access and can have a successful career here, we need both genders doing it. Mm. We need to see both men and women accessing career breaks and we need to see both men and women at all levels across the organisation accessing work agility for a range of reasons, not not just for parenting because then again we're still playing to the stereotype that you Mm. can only take a career break. Or work flexibly if you have a reason, and we don't want that to be Mm. the case. Mm. Um, The other thing is also around attracting top talent. We Mm. we want to attract Mm. the best people to the organisation, and if that is the case, people come with you know all of their life experiences. Mm. There are going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be times Mm. when people want to dial it up, there are going to be other times when people um, want to access the flexibility they need for whatever reason that may be. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important part in um, you know, our employee value proposition mm-hmm. is making sure that that is the case that people can access that, but fundamentally um, you know, men and women being able to access the same policies, the same work practices and show mm-hmm. that that then enables everyone to have equal access to Mm. career progression within the firm.
0: Okay, that's great. Um, And before I come to the question, I'll pass to you also, Marie. How important is it that what you're doing is seen to be inclusive of both men and women? You did obviously share that it's a largely female workforce, but I'm just interested in your thoughts on this.
2: Yes, yeah, so um, look I totally agree uh with what Catherine was saying and in our particular scenario our customer service or our whole organizational philosophy is personal is best. That is really what we talk about um right down to the grassroots with our customer service team, uh, talking to our members, right up to the risk appetite and the strategy that we take with our board. Personal is best is really something that's a core part of our organisation's culture. And I suppose that's where we need to take that consideration for each occasion where parents, both males and females, uh, need that additional support. You know, uh, recently in the last couple of years, we've got an increase of the amount of uh, flexible requests from time to time that particularly come from our males where, for whatever reason, school holidays where grandparents are typically looking after um, their grandchildren but then they go on leave or, you know, do their grey nomad holiday for six weeks, that there is that uh, expectation that the the mother or the female carer or the primary carer is the one that's responsible to have to, you know, have a career break or an extended leave period um, and take the the workload or the the heavier brunt of those leaves. We've had instances over the last couple of years where some of our senior male managers have been able to work flexibly and requested to work flexibly. um, So both partners can share um, both of the care responsibilities, and I think that really sets the uh, role models for our operational team and our other roles um, to do that. Um, our dentists, our senior IT uh, managers, our, our business systems analysts, I think are, are really leading the way in understanding that that uh, that parenting support works both ways with both partners, both of the of the family. so um, you know it's, it's good to have role models within your organisations that are that are that
0: are demonstrating that. Yes, I, th- I do think that's key um, because it's all very well and good to say, oh look, we've got this great policy, we're really encouraging you to use it, uh, and then but no one does, mm, yeah. and, and because that sends a message, doesn't it? Um, look, um, as we continue this discussion, I'd like to start talking a little bit more in depth around the process that you both have gone through to ascertain what was needed for your workforce. Because you've obviously gone and thought, you know, quite thoughtfully about what you've put in place. And Catherine, I know you've answered part of this question already. But I think there's some, you know, extra information here that we can um, all learn and understand. You know, did you try something? It didn't work. You tweaked it. You did it again. You know, what are some of the things that you've implemented? And one of the questions we've got, I'll start with a question from the person that uh, sent that in. Thank you. Um, Catherine, to you, there's a question that's specifically around, obviously Deloitte has um, been evolving its policies and processes and looking at making it as inclusive as possible, um, adjusting the policy so that more men can take it. Mm-hmm. You did start by saying something actually sounded quite um, you know, uh, normal, but actually I think lots of organizations struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Ability for the man to take mm. flexible parental mm. leave, so maybe yeah. two days each week over a period of six months. Yeah. Um, I know I've heard lots of organisations say, "Oh, that's just too hard. We'd yeah. like to," or, or the opposite. That's actually just not our policy. They yeah. actually have to take it in one hit. Yeah. And it's a user it to lose it. So, yeah. you know, what process did you go through? How hard was that to get that through? Because it sounds so sensible,
1: doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Emma. Um, so. This request came through, we were starting to receive more and more requests from men who were taking on, and I'll call this the primary carer role, but they were the secondary primary carer, if that makes sense. So their their partner had already gone back to work and they were now taking on, if you like, a second stint of paid parental leave. So both employees in our organisation can access paid parental leave Um, and of course if um, their spouse is in another organisation they have access to whatever policies uh, that organisation may have as well. So in this instance what we were seeing were mainly our client facing directors saying I do want to be the primary carer for my child but I don't want to take it five days a week. Mm. I want to remain connected to um, the business and I want to take leave um, two days a week. So what that meant was, as I said at the outset, um, managers and above are entitled to 18 weeks paid parental leave. It didn't mean that they were going to take the entire 18 weeks, but they might have said um, I want to take 10 weeks at two days a week. And so what we did was made that available to them. Um, It's all um, managed through the back end in the payroll system. And it's an agreement with the business that they are removed from the business for two days a week, that they take on the parenting role for that two days, and then they remain in their client-facing role for three days a week. Mm. So that's what we mean by flexible paid parental leave.
0: Okay, Um, excellent, thank you. Marie, you talked specifically about a um, return to work incentive now I suspect you know you thought long and hard about how that was going to be implemented and you know what were the benefits of doing that versus paying it up front etc I guess what is the process that you went through to ascertain um, your your processes and and systems that you have put in place
2: look it really wasn't all that difficult and I think that by having our board and our CEO uh, with that um, in return of investment mindset, you know it was as simple as by providing this return to work incentive, the costs that would be if, if someone was to leave us and the costs of recruiting that person, the costs to um, have to train to get them to that uh, level of productivity prior to their leave, is of that same value of the six weeks or the eight weeks. So um, So it really wasn't a difficult um, sell, so to speak. Um, But then in terms of some of our other areas of flexibility and the different things that we provide that is not cost focused, we actually put together a um, flexible work um, committee which was representatives from within the organisation to kind of talk about um, opportunities and options where we can provide A a different range of uh, flexible options that for a smaller organization isn't going to have a significant impact and talking about different ways in which um, you know from a team perspective when there's somebody not there or we've got a reduced level of resource how can we still deliver what we promised to deliver to our members and how can we still uh, work towards the strategy that we're planning for the next three to five years where our resourcing levels might vary than what we've planned and for an organisation that is, you know, small of 150 people, those, you know, uh, impacts could be quite significant. So as a committee, we talked about how do we communicate better with each other if we're working reduced hours or, you know, from time to time taking flexi- flexible arrangements, how can we upskill and train and provide secondments to other people within the business that can cover those gaps. So. You know there was kind of a twofold to the uh, the process that we have. There was that financial element which was really wasn't the difficult part of you know mm. implementing a return to work program. It was really talking about how we get appropriate coverage coverage and resourcing and communication when when people are working uh, more flexibly.
0: Mm. So, to that point, I guess, what what resources did you find, you know, were perhaps needed? I I appreciate you're a smaller organisation. How have you, um, you've obviously put a a committee together, but what other resources have you found, you know, were necessary it would be helpful to um, share with other organisations that might be starting to think about putting such a committee together or starting to think about implementing such a program as to what resources they might need? It's obviously been easier than perhaps many people might think for you. So that's great.
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose the two key resources is, is one, the intellectual or the knowledge base. So where people are um, on on leave or those type of things, what are we doing to retain that knowledge? So, you know, that's yes. true. Um, you know, our knowledge content management system is it our internet, is it about the way that we document and explain and communicate what's happening in the organisation so we can provide coverage and there isn't that um, disruption to our business when there's various levels of flexibility. Um, and I think the mm-hmm. investment that we've in the learning and development of um, all of our people carers. So people are. Uh, cross-skilled, are uh, multi-skilled, are uh, able to, you know, work in areas that they perhaps not typically work in, Work in, but, you know, in a smaller organisation where we're able to flex across different teams, that we've got that ability to have those coverage. So, yeah, definitely our venture would be in our IT and infrastructure setup, where we're able to retain that knowledge and communication level. Um, we've got more opportunities for people to work remotely from home, to... Uh, communicate from home, those types of things, and then also our learning and development.
0: Okay, no, that's great. So, um, just a technical question for you, Catherine, that we've had another question. Is there a minimum waiting period between children for subsequent paid parental leave in your organisation? That's a kind of technical question.
1: Yeah, so it is. It's 12 months, but if um, a person didn't meet that qualification, then they would receive a pro rata amount.
0: Okay, all right. Thank you. So, as we, we move on in the conversation, I'd like to start to have this at the more executive level because um, how important has it been to have CEO down support for these initiatives, and what's the role of the people leaders? Now, I hear that it's obviously Marie. You are sharing that there is full accountability and responsibility from your people carers, which I love that term by the way. Wonderful. It's obviously a core part of their role to actually genuinely care for their people and acknowledging that there are different stages of their lives that these people managers are going to need to help care for them um, through that period. Um, And that's obviously a view shared by your executive and board and that's been something that's intrinsic in your values. Is that correct, and brand?
2: Yes. Absolutely. So our CEO has been our CEO for 35 years. So wow. fundamentally, the culture and the leadership that he has established, even though you know we've had three chairmen and a, and a changeover in boards on you know a, a, a regular basis, fundamentally, um, to have that support, to have that insight that he has of the value of retaining um, our people carers or through their lifestyle and life changes is significant. And for him to even, you know, when um, he uh, recruited myself, you know, the recruitment was out there looking for a head of people and culture. um, And I did not apply in a full-time capacity because I wasn't, in a situation where I could work full time, but for him to take an executive on board, um, really, I think, set a message along the lines of that it's very possible, um, and that he's so supportive all throughout the level of the all throughout levels of the organisation to support um, a, a a focus on um, the parents at work and um, how that it can fit in with both the responsibilities that they have with work and the responsibilities that they have with their families.
0: Okay. And for you, Catherine, you know, how important is it to Cynthia in that what are the expectations she has of people leaders around this topic? Mm. Yeah, because I know Guillaume had some views, but you know, what what
1: are Cynthia's thoughts? So, I think there's two parts to the answer. I mean, there's, there's certainly what is Cindy's view, but I think the other piece that's really critical is sustained commitment mm. because these things can be sometimes driven by what's, uh, what the external drivers are, so mm. the organisation responds to it. But I think with um, the journey Deloitte has been on, game was very much at the forefront back in 2000 where... He arrived in Australia with um, our now national DNI leader, Margaret Dreyer, and he was based in Brisbane, she was based in Adelaide, and they both got on the phone to each other and said, where are the women? You know, so it was very much, you know, he was really driving it from that very, very early days. He um, was shoulder tapped by Elizabeth Brondery to be part of the founding group of the Champions of change, yeah. and he's very much set that legacy in the firm that gender advancement is absolutely key. I mean, there was even a point at one stage where I suggested to him that perhaps we didn't need a program solely focused on female talent anymore, and his response to me was, Let's not have that conversation again, Catherine. <laughs> so, you know, very much gender advancement has been very much front and centre on the CEO agenda for many, many years at Deloitte. Um, with Cindy, We saw uh, last week when we held our um, kickoff for our 2017 Aspiring Women program, which is our flagship female talent development program for 100 women. Cindy uh, gave a very animated um, keynote around her views on gender equality and a very Key part of it, um, and I, you know, I wish you could see what she was like. But there are arms going, and you know, she's very animated on this topic. That you know, fundamentally, she wants to see more men taking parental leave. Yes. She wants to see this mainstreamed. She doesn't want this to be a female issue. Um, you know, she basically said to that group of women who range in ages, you know, the key thing you need to be concerned about is find the right spouse so you know whether that's male whether that's female whatever it is for you um, make sure you find the right spouse you know parenting is a co-joined
0: yeah.
1: uh, mission you yes. know like yeah. you know this isn't about one person driving the ship there are two people generally speaking and I know I'm, I'm generalizing um, in the equation and that doesn't mean that one person has to have their career on hold as a result or or impacted. So for us, this is very much front and centre on the CEO agenda. She's personally shoulder-tapping male partners who um, she knows have recently had families to encourage them to take an active role and to take paid parental leave. She wants to see it from the top. Mm -hmm. So we've certainly seen an increase uh, now that we've got the flexible paid parental leave policy um, at other levels in the firm but, you know, as I'm sure with other organisations, those leadership roles Mm. um, and and getting access to pay parental leave or encouraging people to take leave at those levels remains a challenge. So for us certainly we've got that CEO support. Um, We've been very fortunate to have it for a long time.
0: Mm. Okay, so um, as we start to evaluate the... I guess the impact of some of these, you know, initiatives that you've introduced. Um, let's have a discussion about the benefits versus the challenges. So um, already, Marie, you shared that you're getting, you know, well done, 100% return rate. That's incredible. Um, what other um, benefits are you seeing, other um, benefits to the individuals, um, to the leaders? Are you seeing by having introduced some of these programs into your organisation? Uh, well,
2: you know, the first and most important benefit that we're seeing is um, the the relief and, the, and that balance for our parents to know that um, that we are supportive of them, um, that whatever capacity they're able to tr- return to work and, and when they're able to turn work, that we're supportive of them, and that which, that takes that pressure out of the pressure that is also being a parent. So that's a, a fundamental benefit. The other benefits that we're seeing is also as in terms of being recognised in our area as an organisation that is considered employer of choice. So our ability to attract and retain um, within this area is fantastic. You know we. We do all our recruitment in, in-house. We um, very unable. We we don't actually need to use um, sourcing agencies or, or things like that because when whenever we have a vacancy, we just have a clutter of response um, in our area. So you know, it's getting out there within our organisation, within our community, and we're a very community-based organisation that we're a good organisation, a, a a great employer. Um, to come and work for, so that's also been definitely a benefit for us as well. Um, and of course, the other benefit is we're retaining knowledge. You know, to be to be able to have um, very experienced people carers within the business that have um, some history. Some, it's a Private health insurance is a highly technical and regulated um, industry. There is changes all the time, it is a real sensitive industry as well. Um, And so to be able to retain people that have that ability to use the complexity that is private health insurance, but also the empathy to talk and deal with our members experiencing hard times in their life, um, we're very fortunate to be able to retain and have a very low turnover.
1: Mm,
0: okay. Have there been any challenges, any um, pushback in your organisation to any of the initiatives you've introduced?
2: Um, oh, look, there's, all, there's challenges that are attached with being a smaller organisation and, mm. uh, as I said, having 10, you know, at, at times we've had 10 to 15% of our workforce um, mm. either preparing to go on parental leave or on parental leave. So. You know, for a, a small organisation that's quite significant. So, you know, where there is focus and um, um, a, a desire to retain that knowledge, to cross-train and train people to cover when people are off on leave, of course that is challenging. That's, you know, uh, a significant part I have, um, for an organisation our size, I actually do have quite a large learning and development team because there is that need within our business. To um, ensure that there is appropriate knowledge and resources to cover those areas. Okay, so that, okay, that's good.
0: Um, Catherine, for you, what would have been obviously some of the perhaps more the the obvious benefits we know about, but has there been any sort of unintended consequences? Any other um, pieces of benefits that have, have come through that you were really pleasantly surprised to to find? And, you know, versus the challenges, you know, what challenges did you have?
1: Yeah. So, uh, this piece is probably still really a legacy from GM, in that, you know, there has really been a strong focus Mm -hmm. on the fact that someone's either on parental leave or um, possibly pregnant being a career barrier to, being a barrier to their career progression. So, there's been a strong focus on promoting women who are on parental leave Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, during a pregnancy. Uh, particularly to the partner level so we've been doing that for a number of years and mm. with a very strong message that this mm. is there is you know this is not even taken into account mm. you are a talented individual we mm. want you to progress into the firm so i think mm. that is a fantastic message and something that has been read from the top with very senior women mm. so great role models mm. um, moving forward in terms of um, other unintended benefits i think it's just that word of mouth, particularly around the support that's available. So although you know, it may not have an immediate impact for me or be relevant to me, we've got men and women talking in the firm about the support that we have in place for working parents. So whether that's around um, you know, being able to offer reconnect, mm. the external coaching to our people, the impact that has had has been tremendous. And mm. it's something that um, as partners are finding out about it in particular, saying, what a fantastic program, how do people know about this? We should have everybody doing this, <laughs> you know, it's been great. And that actually was the catalyst for us to extend that coaching to men as well because after the initial pilot uh, was only available to women but we, we um, quickly um, had so many requests from men as well mm. wanting that support so that's been a great. So a lot of these mm. initiatives have start, started to help us really mainstream men and women accessing these initiatives. I mean certainly it comes with challenges that, you know as I just mentioned, where um, you know a large organisation trying to get the word out about various initiatives can mm. be challenging and we know we can be doing a better job around that. Um, and the other thing can be um, keeping people abreast of any changes in the organisation, so being very conscious that just because people are um, out of sight, that they're not out of mind. Mm-hmm. And the business units do a fantastic job of making sure that anyone who's on parental leave, male or female, is invited to any of the um, business unit offsites mm-hmm. um, where childcare is arranged if they do mm-hmm. attend with their children, mm-hmm. um, and equally to the uh, twice yearly firm wide updates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pe- make sure people are invited to mm-hmm. those. Mm-hmm. So keeping people informed and um, in regular contact. Mm-hmm. I know. It is a personal choice as to how much contact you do want. But for those fundamental pieces, it's key that we, we keep people across those. Okay,
0: that's great. So um, I guess we move on now to, to hearing perhaps some of the feedback that's been received. You you just started to um, enlighten us with that, Catherine. You know, that obviously it's being um, heard and, and then people are coming forward. That sounds great and so on. You know, is there any specific um, feedback that you wanted to deliver to this audience today that you think's is um, pertinent to our conversation,
1: mm. a particular story you might want to share or… Sure. Mm. Um, I think the common experience, uh, you know, for me this is quite a while ago, returning back to work, but the common experience seems to be that people have this sense that it's not going to be that hard and, you know, I'll be okay, everyone else has done it before me. But in, in going through some of the, the feedback that we had received preparing for today, one of the ones that really struck me was um, an interaction that Emma had had with one of our people and her feedback was very much around I was actually surprised at how challenging it was. The framework Emma gave me to work through was so helpful and then even touching base four weeks later, I was able to work through some other challenges. So I think it's not pe- uh, people knowing that that support is there, Mm, mm. that they, because it is external, they can be very frank and share things they may not want to share internally, Mm, and that mm. they have that framework that very much helps them support them through and give them that confidence to move forward and not be stuck in that position where they they just feel um, paralysed, if you like, with the, the overwhelming nature of what it is that they may be dealing with. Mm. So I think it's helping people understand that you know we're you know and we're talking about you know people mm. that are probably A type mm. you know used to being successful mm. and this is going to be a breeze and then actually managing through and realizing it's a lot more challenging for the majority mm. um, than they expected and having that support there.
0: Mm. Okay. And, and Marie, what are some of the the feedback? messages that you've heard throughout your organization, both perhaps from leaders and parents. I think sometimes there's some um, you know, obvious, quick, great feedback that you get from parents that are grateful for the support. I'm interested also in perhaps what feedback you might have been receiving from leaders along the way around how it's helped them.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I think it's the uh, relief from some of our leaders when some of our uh, people carers return to work. So you know that they're ready and they're wanting to return to work in whatever capacity. Um, the the joy that they're returning to work from our leaders is is um, you know that they're so welcoming to have them back and the contribution and the value that they add to their team is is so positive. Um, we complete an engagement survey every year with um, using the AON model. Um, and you know the, the feedback that we get in our top results are always in the areas of work-life balance. So our survey last year with the question of "I have flexibility to modify my work schedule to address personal situation" received an 88% um, satisfaction. Um, the balance between my work and my personal commitments uh, is right for me received 82%. And more effectively, the my work-related stress is manageable for me is sitting at 82%. So, you know, that impacts when, when stress is well-managed Then that impacts the quality mm-hmm. of work that people are able to deliver. So for our leaders to have um, people within their team that are engaged, that are happy, um, and that are managing their stress well is uh, always going to have um, positive feedback and positive benefits.
0: Mm. Marie, congratulations on those statistics. I think they're um, they're wonderful and you'll have others in awe of those.
2: <laughs> um I'm oh, right. so very happy with that. And that's um, in terms of the culture of our organisation, those are the things that are important for us because mm. it's when we have that level of engagement, we see the results. Our, our member satisfaction that is and our net promoter score for our members is extraordinarily high for private health insurance even at this critical time of year Which is you know rate rise is the hardest type of year for us? Um, mm-hmm. our response has been quite positive compared to other organizations and um, we, we see that as being the key to the success that our organization has have seen Okay,
0: we have a questioner asking you whether you also survey their satisfaction on the preparing, during and return experience that parents have. Maybe perhaps it's not in that um, wider survey, but perhaps um, your own HR department does this. Have you been getting feedback on their levels of satisfaction on the process? Uh,
2: We only measure... uh, The actual preparing and the whilst is actually a good point, we don't measure that, but we do measure the... Um, for anyone returning to work because we do a return to work induction pretty much like a new starter we do a return to work mm. program for someone that's returning to work and so with anyone within our learning and development our managers we do a measure and uh, our measurements if, if you kind of see how we speak we call it people scare people care speak so our measurements not necessarily a 92% or an 80% or a number it's more of a awesome um, oh, it's such a relief it, it's kind of in those colloquial terms um, and so measuring of how has your return to work been um, overwhelmingly we go it's such a relief and you know would, I would feel very confident that the majority is awesome if you can call that a measurement
0: <laughs> that's great I have a couple of you asking for copies of these slides as we go absolutely you'll receive that with the recording so you'll get those um, there's also another question here for you, Catherine, around um, – uh, let's bring that up. Thank you, Fiona, for sending that question
1: in. It's on the take-up and the attitude.
0: Yes, yeah. the take-up and attitude of men <coughs> uh, taking parental leave and um, how you've actually dealt with that in the organisation. Yeah.
1: yeah, thanks for the question, They're coming through That's a good one. Uh, so in terms of the take-up, of men, we're, we're certainly seeing an increase, and I think you know it would be fair to say, Fiona, that at the outset um, there was a level level of um, challenge expressed by the, the the respective business units around you know um, are other business units experiencing this? Is it just us? Um, you know, because obviously there is a significant cost involved in supporting people to take this leave. Um, you know, I would say that was probably. Middle to the beginning of um, last year. Now I feel that we, we seem to have turned a corner. People feel a lot more comfortable with it. The challenge is actually getting men to take parental leave at the partner level, and that's really Cindy's mission. Um, you know, as I said, she personally um, has a conversation with them about taking that leave, about being a role model. But I would say in the early days, you know, there was certainly a level of, um, you know, is this something we're supporting, and so on. But You know, all credit to those people who are coming forward to take it, it definitely has not deterred them and we are certainly seeing um, more of an uptake in client-facing roles. So the client-facing aspect is not proving to be a barrier which is fantastic.
0: Okay, thank you. And I have one more question here as we're going to the audience around um, childcare being provided to off-sites. A particular question on how you've, I guess, mainstreamed and organised yeah. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Great question. So the the, the childcare requirements um, or um, the need where where people might attend an offsite is very much tailored to that individual. Um, we want that person to be comfortable, so we certainly don't come in with a view about what they can and can't access. For most people, um, they generally take uh, a family member with them, so probably a grandparent has been um, the most common scenario. But we have also paid for um, paid care if that's what they need. So generally speaking, because we're, in this instance you're more than likely talking about a baby, um, it's either um, a family member known to the family or a nanny that's already um, known to the family. So we, we often aren't involved in organising care but we can and we, we have done that in the past. So, it's very much up to the individual um, to tell us what it is they need.
0: Okay. Thank you. And as we head into our last question and um, we sum up this conversation, we have actually already answered some of this because I know, Catherine, you've linked it all the way through. But I'm also interested um, for you, Marie, since you you mentioned learning and development is so important. How does having a parental leave program support your, your organization, Marie, with its women in leadership strategy and goals?
2: Um, well, I suppose being a predominantly female-dominated uh, organisation, we don't necessarily have a, spe- a specific uh, strategy because we, in fact, have far greater numbers of women in leadership roles than men within our organisation. Um, but in terms, but in terms of uh, with um, our leadership development, is that we do have a, a number of programs that occur. Uh, over the years in um, developing our leaders and it's something that you can come out of if you're going on uh, leave and then return to the program when you come back from leave. So um, e- that strategy of continuing developing uh, your leadership skills and your opportunity for leadership roles, um, d- you know, doesn't stop if you have had a break yeah. or... You've got on. Mater- you can come back into the program when you're ready to come back into work in what capacity. So, just recently, we've had a couple of, of in our developing leaders program. We've had a couple that have returned to the program to do the last uh, couple of modules as they have returned um, from maternity leave.
0: Yeah, that that's fantastic. And I think I, I have actually run leadership programs for women before, where I've had um, women come up to me and say, "Oh, I don't think I can be on this anymore because I'm." your baby and you know we've really um, been very clear and quick to have that conversation of um, oh, you don't have to abandon it you know um, we will we'll flex around it to help yes, you and I think if that's really important. To ready. yes yeah absolutely absolutely any closing comments on this
1: particular question for you Catherine I think I've mentioned that uh, you know really for us in terms of the strategy is, is absolutely about knowing. Streaming this for men and women, that mm. this is not seen as um, something that could potentially be viewed as a barrier for women. Mm. Mm. It's about retaining and advancing women into senior leadership roles. But it's also about acknowledging that you know if we are truly serious about a culture of inclusion, it's about supporting people through various life stages, life mm. needs, and acknowledging that you know work goes home, home comes to work, and it's really about managing that fluidity uh, for each individual. Mm. Okay, and I think
0: that's a great note on which to conclude the session today. Thank you so much to you, Catherine and Marie, for your time in organising this, preparing for it, and obviously being present today. I think it's a really important conversation to have had. Um, As we conclude this, and I'll have this on your slides here, we have got a couple of best practice tips for those of you that thought We're thinking, yep, I need some ideas around what to do Um, that we have got on the following slides. I won't go through them all now with you, but a reminder of what really the employee benefits are, what the um, benefits are to the manager and the organisation. And then some final slides that really pull together some ideas of what you can be doing. I will remind people to clarify the policies and provide opportunities to educate and support your working parents and to have a focus on sustained work-life balance. So there's lots of tips in there. Um, if you'd like to join us again for upcoming webinars, you can see um, we have a whole host of them. Uh, get in touch at info@parentsatwork.com.au. Um, thank you very much for your time today.